This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome to the Brentford Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio with me, Johnny Burrow, and I'm delighted to be joined in the studio by Robin Hood, Liberal Nick and Jerry the Cabbie from the Besotted Podcast. I love the nicknames. (laughs) It's been a gruelling eight days for Brentford. Three games, not the perfect run of results, but the mood in the studio still seems broadly optimistic. Yeah, it's broadly optimistic. I'd say it's not been the best run of results of our season so far, but um, yeah, we're positively positive here today, aren't we, Joe? Yes, oh. yes. It's consistently inconsistent, isn't it? <laughs> win one, lose one, win one. Lose it's Brentford, one, isn't it? More. It's Brentford. That's that sums us up. Would you, know? you have it any other way? No. It, is is the identity such that actually there is a certain pleasure in getting disappointing results after a good result? Because surely you do really want that consistency. Yeah, you want to win, don't you? I mean, that's the whole point of sport is to think you can win and hope you win. So, uh, I think. That game sort of is disappointing because we thought we were kind of onto something after the, the Borough away win. So, you know, it's, it's the the rug being pulled from under you again, I suppose. A little yeah, bit. but uh, but at this but but let's not worry about it because we've had a fun season. We'll have a fun rest of the season as we'll go on to discuss later. And I'm up for you know it's a game of football and you win some, you lose some. And I actually, I, I have this theory. I get shouted down by the other other bees fans because I actually don't want to go up to the Premiership at the moment. Boo. I want to save. <laughs> I want to save us going up to the Premiership for when we get into the new stadium. So this yeah, year was point. not the year for our promotion bid. Well, it's certainly never boring, is it? Is it? We're always within sort of touching distance of the playoffs or there and thereabouts, or we're sort of having a little bit, a little bit of a look over our shoulder at relegation. So it's never boring. And yeah, it's it's so it's not been the best uh, season of our long and illustrious history but we're positively positive I think Jerry made a very good point there though where you do ideally want to win every game whether or not the new stadium is ready yet and actually this particular game against West Brom was one that you could have won it wasn't just a case of a good performance away at Middlesbrough and then a capitulation this was actually a fairly strong performance against a very good West Brom side yeah it was um it's you, you. We've always got a chance when you look at the last what we eight wins on the spin at home. So whether it was West Brom or any other team, you, we would think that we were going to go in and win it. Um, but then I suppose conditions don't allow to. Uh, it didn't affect the result of the game, but it did affect the standard of the game. And it was just a uh, the last twenty minutes was just so horrible to watch. Was it? You know, there was sort of plenty of game management from West Brom. Uh, time wasting, which the you know they're entitled to do as we would have done if we were in the same position, but unless the the ref needs to get a, a grip on it, which he never did at any point, then you you end up with you know just petering it into a one 0 loss. I think it was a fantastic metaphor for the season, to be quite honest. It was it was um, a, a very a, a game of two halves, which we'll come on to in uh, in a short while. Um, but yeah, as, as as Jerry quite rightly pointed out, I think it was seven games on the spin uh, wins on the spin at home. Uh, and it was bound to end at some point, and we uh, it ended to a team that played far better than us on the day. I was more disappointed about the Sheffield United result actually midweek last last midweek because we uh, Sheffield United went down to ten men. We had some 
amazing figure of percentage. I think it was at one point we had 90% possession. And a slightly in, in silly percentage. penalty to give away. Yeah, exactly. It was daft, exactly. Yeah. You got it. And I mean, actually, that was the more disappointing result because I think if we'd, if we'd won against Sheffield United, we probably would have won on Saturday. I know you, you, the ifs have been, must yeah, be, no, but we'd have been on a real run. And the, the Sheffield United game, I actually went to and was disappointed by our performance because we looked we looked as though we just didn't have the, 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 the final touch to finish them off. Some of the players were off key. Um, uh, you know, wrong to single out single out any individual players, but our front three on that Tuesday night just weren't going to score a goal. We could have been playing till now and they wouldn't have scored <laughs> a goal. And I think that's you know that's a real shame. And that I thought brought us down and it probably brought the team down a bit. So uh, reflected on what Saturday's performance was like. And three mm. points in Sheffield also would have meant consecutive away wins for the first time in quite some time. Never heard of that. Specifically, what we Thirty-six or something. In terms of the home loss against West Brom, yeah. Twitter exploded when Edwards hit the back of the net. It was mm. a wonderful solo effort. It was. But from your point of view as Brentford fans, watching your defenders fail to stand him up, dive in, were you impressed by the attacking prowess of West Brom or were you a bit frustrated by the inability to get a foot in? I was very impressed by West Brom. Uh, we can talk about the sort of the gamesmanship, the cheating, the time wasting, the um, sort of that whole ethos in which they were operating, particularly in the second half, but they were a very well organised side. Uh, I don't think it's unfair to say that they looked... Uh, like looked like a Premiership team playing in the Championship, in my opinion. Anyway, I think it's particularly in the second half. I we think they, outga- they they managed the game very very well. We seem to have fallen to individual super goals in the last few weeks. I mean, we had James. I uh, can't remember his first name. The guy James from oh, Madison. Oh no, uh, Daniel, Daniel James. Daniel yeah. James from Swansea City scoring that great goal against us in the cup. You know, where he ran four hundred yards. Absolutely, <laughs> ran straight through our defence. In a millisecond, a goal. I mean that, that that you know, and that that deserves to be the goal of the season actually, and I'm sure it'll get replayed when the FA Cup final goes around as one of the goals of the, the goals of the competition. And we succumb almost to, to the same thing actually mm. against West Brom. And it seems, uh, but but once he got into the box, it was always going to be a goal because nobody's frightened of making mm. a tackle now. And the way the referee performed on uh, Saturday. It would have been. A, who knows what would have happened? There was no. There was no stopping him. I think um, Moses was slightly out of position, and then once he had that space to run at Barbe, there's nothing Barbe I don't think could have done any better. Uh, if he'd have brought it down, it would have been a penalty, a la Sheffield United, ironically. But um, no, you can't take anything away from the goal. Um, you can maybe take away from the uh, fact that we allowed them to have that kind of Carl Edwards to have that space to run at us. But um, you can't take away from the goal. It was absolutely fantastic. Well, that's where that goal comes from. That's, I think it was Kenos had the ball for us. Mm. We were probably five yards, again, sort of similar to Daniel James's goal. We were five mm. yards outside their, their penalty area. And he, he doesn't make the right decision. And then they link the ball and it's two passes out to Kyle Edwards. I thought him, to be honest, I thought he was their best player. He was really, just from the first five minutes, you thought, oh, who is he? Quick. I've never seen him before. Yeah, very, very skillful. Um, he's definitely one to watch for the future. I wouldn't like to beat West Brom in the playoffs. Mm. Put it that way. I think there'll be some teams that will be fearful of meeting West Brom in the playoffs. Well, there's a lot to be said for professional punditry in a studio, but it's not the be-all and end-all. And it's time to hear from the fans in the pub. It was disappointing. I thought uh, first 10 minutes, West Brom looked quite good. We were a bit sort of backing off. We really got into the game well then. As soon as they got their goal, um, they had a good 10 minutes. We were trying to get back into the game and that was really frustrating. Last 15 minutes, there was no football being played at all. I was actually quite surprised how poor they were in defence, West Brom, and a bit concerned we weren't taking advantage of it, um, which is a a story that's come back to us from from the past a bit. Uh, Second half, to be fair to West Brom, I thought once they scored, they'd done enough and we looked increasingly a little bit tired at times. But overall... It wasn't that bad, was it? I didn't think. Uh, quite impressed with Daniels today. I thought Daniels done all right today. They know how to wind a clock down without making it look as if they're winding a clock down. And that's like a little bit more of that, that Premier League experience, those older heads and that sort of thing. And we didn't even bring grand, old grandfather Barry off the bench. Everyone thinks that it was wrong to change the manager, but you, know, you get that bounce-back effect. Uh, we were 10 points off first and second before we kicked off on Wednesday. Now we're seven points behind. Who knows? I think it's the playoffs. I think we'll finish third. The only thing is, is that I think Villa might sneak in and they'll just wipe us out in the playoffs. It wasn't a great game. Um, the only thing I'm worried about from, uh, from Brentford is that 
we were bullied off the ball a lot. You know, they got in our faces, West Brom got in our faces and bullied us, and we couldn't really cope with that. Well, that's my, you know, and I think that's, that, that's my only real concern. But if we'd have played in the first half, I reckon against the wind, um, and managed to get a nil-nil, then I thought we'd stand a good chance the second half. It was the opposite today. And I thought we needed to go in half-time with one or two goals, because I, I did think it'd be a struggle in the second half. We did all right for the first 20 minutes of the second half. Um, and to be honest, I think if you look at the stats, we did have, we actually converted, I think, was it 12 or 13 chances for six or seven on target, which is quite a good ratio for us. Um, and, you know, their keeper was probably one of their better players, but, yeah, just one of those days. I, I never really had a feeling that we were going to come out with much today once the game kicked off, and that kind of ruins the game for you to some extent. Seven straight wins before today at home. Um, again, that, that was always going to come to an end at some stage. It was either going to be a draw or a defeat. I think a defeat's harsh on us. I think, I think today's a draw. A point, a point today, we should have we capitalised on one of those chances in the first half. And you've got to tip your hat to um, the West Brom player for that run and, and the finish. You know, that was, that was exceptional. We, we could have we taken him down, but it's probably a penalty. So, um, yeah, annoying. This is Love Sport. It was a game of two halves, is one of the most cliched and objectionable phrases in football, but sometimes it actually was. Was this the case against West Brom? I'd argue that it was, um, but I'd argue that the first half was even and the second half was uh, them outplaying us rather than us outplaying them in the first half and vice versa. Use of the wind as well. I think we had the uh, the wind with us first half, um, second half. What they did was quite clever, especially the last 20 minutes was any time that ball went out for a goal kick, they pressed high, which meant then Luke Daniels has to kick it long. And of course, with the wind, it just wasn't going anywhere. It wasn't even reaching halfway. So they were just camped in our half when we just couldn't get out. Um, and just they just made it really difficult. So I think we didn't, we didn't use the conditions and benefit to us. They use them a lot better. You are in slight danger of sounding a bit like Jurgen Klopp, Jerry. But oh. without me, <laughs> no, no, no. Well, we both got the conditions. They used it better. I'm no, saying. No, no, I'm no. Not... I, I take your point absolutely. But how important do you think, more broadly, the wind was? Was this actually a significant factor in the game? Well, I just want—I just want to pose the question: uh, Did West Brom win the game at the coin toss? I saw some. Tw- was that you that tweeted that? Uh, I, 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 I just said it because it, it was yeah. a good point. Because well. They took, the, they took their first half, didn't they? They switched it round. We normally kick the other way round. I hate it when that happens. Right. We, yeah. co- we kick towards the Ealing Road normally, second half. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, that, whenever that happens, you know something's not going to go quite right. I mean, sometimes, sometimes it does go for, go for you. Um, it was it uh, against Blackburn we played. Uh, we won 5-2, kicking the other way in the second half. But I think that I'm, I'm just, I do very strongly believe that that coin toss was actually quite crucial because when you've got if you can't take advantage of the wind in the first half when the second half comes around come on you're going to come be on blame it blame it on the weather blame it on the wind conditions oh, I mean, i'm saying, we're, saying, we're saying a, it's no, and a contributing we're, factor we're, we're we're known as a footballing team and you know great bill shankly used to say football is a game played on grass you know not mm. played up in the air and we should have actually kept the ball down and if it required luke luke daniels a few more times to just bowl the ball out to to the left or the right backs and you know short distance no, you know, that's what I'm saying. Why they did really well was to press so high that he had no short pass option. Yeah, yeah you can't say yeah. yeah. the West only Brom thing he can do is, is to go long. Then I, I just think West Brom displayed the professionalism that you'd expect of a oh, club no, that had agree, been yeah, the, totally b- b- club that had been in the Premier League last season and might be on their way back back up to the Premier League this. And I think you know we will have learned a lot from that in terms of game management because that's the you know we we didn't play the conditions we didn't play the referee I th- you know yeah it's all, all fans when you lose blame the referee but he had a very poor game uh, on 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 Saturday and and we've got to you know deal with those conditions we need to understand what it is that that a successful championship club needs to do if it wants to get up in promotion I completely agree I think um, and as you've quite rightly said we are a footballing team we play it on the ground we play slick passing we you know we use Sawyers we use Ben Rama we play it through the middle we try and bring um, our two wide players into play but we do have that sort of weapon is what I'd call it when Barbe just lobs the ball long across field 70 yards to Dalsgaard and it was evident particularly in that first half actually even when we had the win behind us that that was playing havoc with it because usually that comes off nine times out of ten mm. and I'd say it was coming off more like four or five times four or five times out of ten 
In terms of West Brom using the win more to their advantage, which is a point you made, Jerry, there's a couple of times you've suggested that they look like a Premier League team. The implication there is that Brentford didn't. And in terms of that setup, that wiseness just to take advantage of the conditions, do you think they perhaps had a bit more maturity, a bit more nous than Brentford? Yeah, I mean, you just the average age of our team would tell you that. I think we're, mm. what, 23 below 24 um, and I think a lot of problems and the losses and the draws that we've had for the last you go back probably five years is the age of what because we've got young men who are always going to make maybe an odd wrong decision mm. and making right decisions comes with experience which is what we just don't have but yeah. the, the, I take your point absolutely but actually using the wind or not using the wind is not so much an onus on the players to make that decision as the coach do you think that Thomas Frank could have been a bit smarter himself how do you vary your style of play I mean you know we, we didn't actually we played to the system that Brentford play you mm. know occasional occasional on balls occasional through balls you know Sawyer, Sawyer's battling Mococcio moving the ball about what, what have you uh, and that is a that is a system that has given us more success than failure um, and I'm, uh, particularly in the last few weeks and months and, uh, as Frank has improved that system and we've we've changed our format and whatever I don't think there's anything lacking in the manager the head coach's decision out there I just think that it's players needing to think about adjusting to the conditions as they get the ball and thinking perhaps this is the time to play a short pass this might be the time to play the long pass and, and understanding what it, what it is to be a professional footballer I actually quite like the substitution see three Marcondes and Watkins on um, and sort of tried and tried his very best to, to alter what he was doing to create that to create this opening um so yeah you, you can't you can't pin on the manager particularly not with wind uh, unless he, unless he's unless he controls the weather that, that would be quite on. a good trick Wait, weighted coin that's what we wanted a weighted yeah. coin talk about, the, <laughs> talk about the theory of marginal gains controlling <laughs> yeah. the weather might be top of the list yeah if you, if you had a greek god for a manager that mm. could be a solution <laughs> well he's got the hair of a greek god hasn't he <laughs> good old thomas frank beyond just the haircut it sounds like you've been broadly positive about his performance there were things that the side got right what about the performance pleased you? Um, can I? Can just, I? Sorry, can, uh, I just want to say Moses Adebayo. He didn't put a foot wrong. I don't. Do think. You know what? I actually think the opposite of that. Uh, I, I, just, I, th- I thought he had a fantastic game. game. So Jerry, yeah, where, where do you think Adebayo went wrong? I just thought he was a little bit sloppy in possession. Um, first half in particular, when we should have needed to take advantage of the conditions. I mm. thought he was sloppy. There was a few passes. It wasn't a lot. It was two or three passes, but. When you when you're trying to move the ball about quickly, and that's the thing when you're playing teams like West Brom uh, and the Middlesbroughs who sort of sit in a big block, you need to move the ball quickly to get behind them. And I, and I think few occasions he just misplaced his passes. So, Robin, so, what so, did what did you think he did so right? Well, I just want to come back to Jerry there. Just say, I mean, it wasn't everyone a bit sloppy in possession? Yeah. So I don't yeah. think you can pin that on Moses. But what I had to factor into the equation is the fact that Moses joined us sort of uh, in a strange circumstances. He was training with us at the start of the season, having been out of action for. Uh, two years, best part of two years was an injury. To see how he's come and he's become a mainstay in that position mm. on arguably his weaker side because he's a right-footed player. To see how he's developed and and sort of got back to the Moses that Moses Odebajo, that player that takes on players really really quick, two-footed, likes a shot, likes a cross. Um, and I think I think he was arguably one of the more consistent players, um, inconsistently consistent players on Saturday. I don't think I don't think there was anybody who was inconsistent. I don't think there was anybody who was particularly consistent. Nobody nobody set the team on fire. You're forgetting oh. the ref, Nick. <laughs> no, from our from our seat, from our from the eleven players that or thirteen players that that, that that we put out on the pitch, you know, none of them put in a sterling performance. None of them put in a particularly weak performance. I'll tell you who right. did though, and uh, should be mentioned is Luke Daniels. He yeah, came uh, in. He had a re- very very good game, as really he did really against solid. Sheffield United yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, good point. Good, and a lot has been made of a lack of goalkeeping depth. So good to see him playing well. It was, of course, as you pointed out, Nick, the end of a seven-game winning run at home. Do you think that kind of record matters to the players? Will they be bothered at having lost it or is it just another result, another game and business as usual? I have no idea of the financial structure of the club, but I bet it matters to their pay packet. I bet some of them are on some win win bonuses, you know. Um, Does it matter? Yeah, it probably does at the end of the long run because that finally put the final nail in our coffin of a playoff chance. 
um, this, this it, had we had we got the had we got six points out of the nine from you know from the three tough games that we had, there might still be a little bit of hope that we're there for the playoffs. But now nah, it wasn't going to happen. Arguably, we could have that run could have come uh, at an end uh, against QPR or Villa in more significant games against teams that we should realistically be beating. So I think losing that run to a team against uh, um, losing uh, that run against a team that are fighting for the playoffs and I think rightly so I think is all right it's well, not going to matter not going to matter too much well talking of runs it had been a very tough run of fixtures three games in eight days all against top sides and how did Brentford manage it this is love sport you are listening to the Brentford Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio with me, Johnny Burrow, and the boys from Besotted. Gents, it was a very tough spell for Brentford. Eight days, three games, all top opposition. Three points taken from an available nine. If I'd offered you that tally going into them, would you have taken it? Of course not. No. You'd want more, wouldn't you? You'd want five or six. I'd want, ten, I'd want ten points. Uh, the nine. That's how much I've You're greedy, 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 greedy. <laughs> no, I would have taken six. I, w- I, I would have wanted six. I wanted a home victory and I wanted to see us continue an away run. I mean, you uh, people who listened last week will remember how buzzing the crew were here when after our Borough result. Borough are our bogey team. We beat them three points. Fantastic. We should have taken that bounce on to Sheffield. Interesting point. We didn't actually... When the, the, the team travelled down from Middlesbrough, back down to West London to go back up to Sheffield on Tuesday. Would you have stayed there? Well, would a... I'm surprised that they did that as well. Yeah, would a professional club, would West Brom, say, in the same position, might they not have stayed up in the north? Have you got to Um, consider the financial implications? Maybe there's just not the money. It's not masses of money, though. You're you're looking at a player's weekly wage, probably, to do that. Yeah, I mean, and by the time, time, you know, the the players travelled down... Travelled down on a first-class train from Middlesbrough on on the Saturday. I don't know how they got back and forth from from Sheffield by coach and whatever. You know, a couple of nights, a couple of nights break in a decent hotel with a couple of mm. decent training mm. facilities. I, you know, might have made the difference. I, mean, I don't know. I don't know, if, I don't know if the XG method uh, applies to travel expenses as well as the <laughs> as well as what happens on the pitch. But yeah, I don't think we're scrabbling. Oh, I don't think we're scrabbling around to be able to afford a hotel room, Bill. I don't think that's an issue. I think we're getting into the, the getting into the win situation though here, blaming for external factors that don't. Really, don't really, in my opinion, affect affect what happens. I on think the pitch there's, too, right? and I would think there's more factors about feeling a bit weary. It's just about if recovery, you, isn't it? Yeah, mm. you just, re- just recovery. But equally, you could argue that by staying away from home for an extra few days, staying in hotels, training at an alien training pitch, you could exacerbate that feeling of being the away team. You wouldn't have been in West London for so long that you could be feeling really up against it. You've been in the north for too long. Uh, maybe, but I just you're so far north. It's just the, that's the travelling kills people, doesn't it? It's when you go somewhere, you know, it's you just you can't wait to get there, and then on the way home, you just want to get back as quick as possible. So that is the thing about the championship. That's why they call it the toughest league. They call it the toughest league in Europe because actually it is that daily well, the the grind of the. Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Wednesday games that go on for 40, 40 weeks of the year. It is a real issue. And, I, you know, I think anything that you can do to ameliorate the effects that it might have on the players, you know, if it costs you an extra £5,000, £10,000 to stay in, stay up in the north for, for a couple of days. <laughs> Beyond you know, the wall. That's no <laughs> issue. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, a lovely yeah, Game yeah. of Thrones reference there <laughs> from you, Johnny. Um, just pretty back, I think we, we're talking about travel arrangements here. We can't ignore the fact that whilst we were sort of, we were on our travels a lot recently it was three games in eight days against uh, top six opposition you've got um, Middlesbrough who are a bogey team Sheffield United who are uh, very worthy promotion contenders considering their form this season and West Brom who have got some premiership players in their squad Mm. so I don't think you can uh, play it too much on the travel None of you were happy with three points. You said you definitely have wanted more. Do you think the performances across those three fixtures, tough, tough fixtures as they were, merited more points than that? Six, seven, nine? Probably. Uh, if you think of Tuesday against ten men, I mean, it was sort of Sheffield United were backs to the wall, weren't they? So to, to secure their point, uh, probably just... I'd say over Sheffield United and the West Brom games, it was just the last past that last little bit of stardust that you need just to create something um, but they are three teams that we could and I think could beat so you know we, we, I think that's why I think we could have got more out of them 
So, guys, do you, do, do you think that worries you? That sort of it's it's almost it's been something we've talked about, it's seemingly talked about for uh, say three or four years now. It's this sort of I don't want to call it inability, but a struggle that we have to break down teams that have that sort of ten men behind the ball, very compact, difficult to get through with our tight passing uh, and our little triangles playing with Ben Rama and Watkins and Canos and Sawyer's. Uh, does that worry? Does that continue to worry you, or is it just something that eventually will find a way to overcome that? No, it'll eventually click, yeah. as it did against Borough, you know, and as it has done over other other games that we've we've, we've won this season, you know. Remain Sawyers this year, some of the through balls that Remain has played, you know, have been positively obscene, mm. you know. If they would have been made into a video, it would be an X-rated video. Yeah, they come with a ra- an 18 rating. Yeah, this, <laughs> yeah 18 rated. Right next. I'm, showing my, I'm saying my, showing my age here. Yeah, safe search. Well, safe search don't forget to do. as well, you think the Sheffield United game, we, we created two or three really good opportunities. I mean, yeah. Makocho hit the post. Yeah. Morpai probably should have done better with a ball that came through from Barbe against West Brom. I think their def- Canos had a shot from six yards, which was blocked, a brilliant piece of defending. You know, and both West Brom and Sheffield United defended for their lives at times. So, Absolutely. you know. So you've got to build in good defence as well. Um, it wouldn't be Brentford without a bit of stats, would it? I was, uh, got in contact with our, the mighty XG Dave, who basically <laughs> saw, I'm not going to go through the numbers because we could be here forever, but basically his take on it is that um, we have, over the last few games, we have suffered this sort of inefficiency. This was at Liberal Nick's request as well, I should say. Um, <laughs> uh, we've sort of, uh, there's, there's this inefficiency where we continually outshoot and out past the opposition but we're generating a high quantity but not a great quality there are teams that are playing against us and generating similar numbers with a lot less efforts on goal nick dare i ask how you feel about that i feel that i am full of admiration for the work that xg dave does and and, and his <laughs> colleagues and, and fellow stats but the the record let the record show that over, we've only got three points out of the last nine I agree and with that you. therefore sums up our season really um you can have you can play beautiful football and we are playing the best football that i have seen in the last 15 years at brentford mm. without a shadow of a doubt you know but we've got to learn how to win games and if it means winning rough if it means having actually to bomb a long ball occasionally over the top and hope that the wind takes it <laughs> malpay back to the wind malpay flicks it on with his thigh when he's facing <laughs> the wrong way and it goes in off the goalkeeper's head i'll take that as a victory despite the fact that Romain Sawyers may, two minutes earlier, have paid a pass that would rank with something that Messi or Ronaldo would be proud of. Mm. Jerry, do you think the players look tired on West, against West Brom? Um, I don't know, tired. Fatigued would be the word I'd use. I think, I don't know. Do you mean physically or mentally? Because there's got to be a Well, a bit of both. That, of... Yeah, that, a bit of both, I think. And that's where I think that the, the travelling, not tra- doing too much travelling, trying to save yourself a little bit helps in that. You know, just relaxes the mind if you're sitting on the train or a coach for hours on end coming from the north of England you know I don't think that helps with you Jerry's a cabbie so he, he would know all about yeah. travel yeah. I do think there is a problem <laughs> is that we, we we do run out of ideas and I'm not I'm not I'm not saying you know we, we, we don't we, have a we don't have a plan B yeah but plan A we play so well most of the time that occasionally dropping down to an A minus might be in order and it doesn't seem to happen and that's what slightly concerns me, has concerned me in the past about Frank. And, you know, I was, turn of the year uh, in the autumn, I I was a a critic of Frank. I have publicly gone on record as saying that I was wrong and I'm certainly not saying that he's he is in any way shape or form to blame but what will be interesting to see next season is if he can come up with just a way of varying sometimes the plan a that doesn't work so well well looking ahead to next season the focus of course will be on keeping improving but also keeping certain players at the club coming up we'll be looking at who could stay and who possibly could be out the door Love Sport. You are listening to the Brentford Fan Show on Love Sport Radio and one way of dealing with a tough run of fixtures in a short space of time is to have a squad full of strength in depth. Do you think that's where Brentford came up unstuck? Are they too reliant on that starting eleven? I'd say we had a transfer window where we lost a few players um, for various reasons Um, and I think that strength in depth has been a bit of a... um, have been a bit of a problem for us, um, and I think there is the, certainly the need to bulk up the squad. Um, I mean, we're capable of it. Uh, this week, Billy suffered an injury in training, and Laney was injured in the warm-up in, <laughs> in true, uh, true Brentford style. But we've had a formation switch, we've had our tactical changes, and you know we adapt. And so, yeah, just looking at the list of players that have left in the past 
in, in January, rather. You had Chris Meppen, who went to Bournemouth, rightly so, which we've covered. We, uh, Nico moved to China, uh, rightly, rightly so. He went for the right reasons. We've got uh, Josh Clark and Reese Cole, who could be considered fringe players who might be able to make up sporadic first-team appearances. And then we've had players like Rico Henry and Lewis McLeod that are out injured. So my question would be, is it a strength in depth or is it just an unfortunate series of players leaving and getting injured? I think it's uh, I would say strength in depth, really. I mean, when you look at the squad now, you're probably looking at, realistically, we've only got 15 players who you think are going to make a huge difference. Um, and also, I think the change of system as well, probably, you know, McEachran has come up from awful criticism over the last sort of, probably rightly so, because his sports ain't been there. But then it's a system that just doesn't suit him. So... You know, if he's first, he hasn't been first changed since McCondes has been fit, McCondes has come off the bench and there's been no sign of McKechnie because he just doesn't fit the system. So that's one less player, even though he's still at the club, that you can't really use in this system. So um, I think summer is going to be very, very interesting indeed. In terms of players leaving the club, that is something potentially out of a club of Brentford stature's control, but actually you still do have the ability to replace them. When we saw players like Yanaris go abroad, would you have liked to see some replacements come in in January? No, because that's not the way we do business. Mm. But, but eventually your squad would become so small that you can't put out an eleven. Well, that was the reason for the advent of the B team, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, that's, as, as Nick just said, that, that's what that's what we that's not the way we do business. That's not the way we operate. Um, I mean, if you just if you take our first team squad, if you like, across the three games that we've mentioned, fifteen we used fifteen outfield players. Eight started all three. Now that's that's slightly worrying to me because they're they're playing three games in eight days, and I know they're professional footballers. So they should be they should be able to do it, but you have to take into account training, and as we've talked about tonight, travel arrangements going up and down the country as well. So. Yeah, come on, come on. But you wouldn't want you, you you know you you actually have a core of eight or nine players who should be starting every game, mm. and then you might alternate three, three, two or three to allow you to 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 uh, face different oppositions. I mean, you know, if we're talking about transfers, I actually hope and I've said this uh, earlier um, when we were talking in our pre-production meeting. I think this is a big summer for Brentford in terms of the transfer market mm. because actually what I would do is I would hold on to what we've got. There will be some big money. There will be some big money um, thrown at some of our players and there will be some temp- temptation. Yoan Barbe, you know, could could go for some good money. Malpe is bound to have quite a lot of money throw, thrown in his direction. He he is worth £25 million, you know, a, a, but because of the number of goals he scores, and Sai Barama, well, you know, there's a story paper talk today that somebody has made a, offered rumours to be thirty million. Now that thirty million, thirty million. Ben Rama. I mean, you know, that's newspaper talk, and it, it feels it a couple Brennan, of, wasn't it? It feels a couple of <laughs> plants well, sowing the seeds. It yeah. feels a couple. Of, it feels a couple of column inches on a, on a Monday morning when they've got all those supplements to write. But but more importantly, my my point is that the, I think next this summer is the time to hold on to all our players and actually invest in a couple more that will back up in some of the weaker positions that we have, so that we can always field an an A team. Because this, in terms of holding on to those players, then we can see next year if we can head into the playoffs, up into the Premiership for our move into the new stadium. So my plea to Matthew Benham <laughs> is that, you know, just think about holding on to these players. And you might have to, it might mean looking at our wage structure, it might mean changing our formula. Do you think that's a realistic goal, though? When you've got players like Malpe performing the way they are, can the club hold on to them? Well, I, I think so. I mean, I was saying to the boys, early in the week, last week, IX beat Real Madrid. And there was a brilliant article written by Rory Smith in the New York Times. And it was about Edwin van der Sars, the CEO of IX, going to his crop of young players at the end of last season and saying, look, you're all going to get big offers. You know you are. You're good enough to go. But just give us one more year. See what you can do together with one more year. Because we'll never know. You'll never know. And they all agreed, barring um, Justin Cliver, they all stayed, and here they are in the quarterfinal of the Champions League. And you never know with this Ajax team. Would, so would one more we year for Brentford be enough? Because for those Ajax players, it's a very good point, but it has literally been one year. Frankie de Jong has tied up a move to Barcelona ahead of the summer. Mattis Delight will be going as well. So could Brentford 
one year more maybe, is that then a case of make or break? That in that year, when the players give you that faith, do you have to go up then? Or is it then just a case of rebuilding once more? I wouldn't say it's make or break. Certainly, it's, it's far from that. It's, in fact, it's anything but make or break. Um, I think the lure of a new, a pl- the opportunity to play in a new stadium first season of the Premiership might be something that they could they could sort of cling on to. Uh, and in that same breath, last season, ever season at Griffin Park, being part of that piece of the club's history might be a bit of a time factor. Yeah, but uh, let's be honest about this. You know, new stadium, we've, we've got to double our attendances. So, you know, we need to actually offer somebody and uh, make to our new fans an attractive offer. That's right, I'll just um, get fatter. That's not going to work. I mean, you know, Robin, because, you know, you're, you're slim enough, you're too slim, unlike Jerry and I. Mm. Are you, you know, flirting with me? Now? What we have got to do, what we have got to do is spend some money on backing up to the positions that we haven't got at the moment. And I would suggest that that probably means that we need another hard central midfielder, somebody in the Makocho role, because when Makocho mm. doesn't play, we obviously suffer from him. I think we also need to look about what we're doing up front, because... I'm slightly disappointed by the way that Ollie Watkins has gone off the boil in recent weeks and he's blown hot and cold mm, this season. I completely agree. Um, Canos and, you know, and this is no, I'm not picking on any players. I'm not criticising them. I'm just saying that perhaps they need somebody to have a little competition to make them, you know, make them work that 10% harder to make us the better team. We've been talking about Brentford's core eight players uh, who both all rather started those three games in eight days. Is there any of that core group who you would condone leaving the club in the summer if the right money came in? Oh, uh, who would... Barbe. Barbe. Well, he's out of contract anyway. Yeah, yeah. There are reports today that he is currently negotiating a new deal, so well, possibly yeah. there. The thing, yeah. is, the thing is, Johnny, the report stated that um, Barbe gives us an update on his uh, contract situation, and the contract situation is that he is talking to the club about a new contract, which is nothing really It's new. better than not talking at all. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I, I think... I think I think the Barbe, the, the, there is backup for the Barbe's position that is just as good as as the way Johan plays. So I wouldn't necessarily see I think, see him as a loss. Yeah, whereas, I, th- I you think know. you hit the nail on the head. Maybe Watkins would be the one that you would think. Okay, you'd, you'd probably get a decent sort of money for him. What sort of figure would you take, Jerry? Probably ten million. Well, things we we put we put these price maybe? tags. So we we uh, yeah. we were putting a sort of ten fifteen million price tag on Ryan Woods, and he went for six. Mm. So you know, I think we have to be a bit more realistic. Um, I'm just going to say it right now because I think it's a bit of an elephant in the room. If Neil Malpe gets an opportunity to play in the Premiership, which he's got that opportunity, he will take it, and I would not hold it against him because you only get really one chance to play in the Premiership. No, I wouldn't. I, you know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't look down on him for for, for taking up taking on that opportunity. Although it would be to a lower ranking, a lower ranking Premiership club, and he'll be battling relegation all, all, all season, and that must be depressing in itself. But again, you know, <laughs> if you're listening, how Neil. much is he going to be? You know, how much will he if if he doubles his wages if he gets half as much again he also needs something we can we can match and the thing about these moves they need to be picking the right team to go to now Neil Morpoy isn't like six foot two and fast as lightning you know he's five foot seven he's a little stocky player he's not the most pace he is but he's a very clever footballer he needs to be going to a team that suits his style of play play football like Brentford exactly otherwise he's just going to get lost you know because Barcelona January window (laughs) Huddersfield Town were were talking they were desperate for goals they went for Carlin Grant who was very good at the weekend yeah but they were looking at Morpoy and I'm thinking it just doesn't suit you it wouldn't suit you at all it'd just be a waste for both of you because he's just you know so he needs to pick and choose but again if it's a premiership club coming for a player it's very hard for Brentford to say no you're not going when you know that's how they sell us to them in the first place well this is the point and Nick you were saying that you wouldn't hold it against Morpay or one of his colleagues if they did move to the Premier League with that in mind Aston Villa and of course former boss Dean Smith have been sniffing around quite a few of your players would you hold it against one of your star men if they went to a different club in the championship particularly Villa yes Yes. absolutely Instant responses, Jerry. Do you agree? I'm, I'm kind of. I'm just thinking it from a, a say a Romain Sawyer's point of view. I was thinking about it earlier, which is why I sort of uh, it'd be so hard for him not to go for double, triple the wages to a manager that he knows inside out. But you know, it's it's. I don't know. I'd, uh, I mean, we are looking at it with rose-tinted glasses. We have the Brentford glasses on, and why would you want to leave the greatest club in the world? But you, you would just... resent a move to Villa. I would resent a move that I don't think would benefit the player. Mm. It's that it's it went, so when when uh, the, the should we call them the Birmingham Three jump ship uh, to the blue <laughs> to the Blues? Like you just thought, what are you doing? Yeah, 
like, what are you doing? You are going well, to looking get, at the financial looking at the situation, financial situation. And I understand it's a job, and these guys have got um, families, and they need to earn money. Um, but you know, these are the, I'd, I'd have said at one point that Hotter was absolutely destined to play in the Premiership, and his career is floundering. So mm. long term, they ha- maybe they should be thinking more long term. Mustu would totally change were Villa to be in the Premiership. If Villa went, if Villa got promoted this season, went up to the Premiership, Sawyer and, and Dean Smith wanted Sawyer's. Good, good luck on you, son. Be sad to see you go, but 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 good luck on you. True. If Villa was still in the Championship, I would say no, because next season Villa are really have got real financial problems. There's going to be absolute meltdown there at Villa because of you know all the all the money that they've spent or haven't got. To and spend. there almost certainly won't be Tammy Abraham as well, Press. so the goals yeah, may go. Yeah, I mean mm. you know Villa will. Villa, it's like West Brom are desperate to go up this year. Villa were desperate to go up this uh, to go up last year, and now that they haven't, they are having to cut their cloth. And while they may still offer wages, I suggest that they might be moving into the situation that Birmingham were faced with today. Yeah. Well, a Villa fan might come with selling Grealish. You know, last season they were talking about money. forty million, which is a bit ridiculous. But you never know if they get big money for him, then it's. Could, could get them out of a hole. Talking about looking towards the future, Brentford may have just had a couple of losses on the spin, but they've now got 12 days to restructure, to relax and refocus. But how should they deal with the international break? Don't go anywhere. This is Love Sport. It's the Brentford Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio with me, Johnny Burrow and Robin Hood, Liberal Nick and Jerry the Cabby from the Besotted Podcast. Now, gents, your club have 12 days off, 12 days without action. How should they use that? Should it be a case of a mid-season holiday to Zanzibar, a chance to recharge? Or are we talking about gruelling work on the training pitch? I'd actually give them a bit of a break, to be honest. <laughs> to Zanzibar? Put, well, Zanzibar, anyway. Tenerife, you know, a little holiday, Ibiza or something. No, I just Bogner? I felt, well, a bit cold, isn't it? A bit nippy. Johnny, have you got an investment in Zanzibar or something? Uh, I, I have no hard. vested interest in Zanzibar, <laughs> although I hear the turtles are lovely. But just there's a probably just a couple of days of feet up and then sort of back into training. But we were sort of just saying there about probably the one player who probably really does need a, or not doesn't need a break, but could do with one is Henrik Dalsgaard. You know, mm. it's... Probably 15, 18 months of solid football he's had under his belt. So he had two weeks after the um, uh, World Cup before he went back straight mm. back into full pre-season. That's just not enough. There are a few players who will be on international duty, of course, both at senior and junior level. Darlsgaard could well be one of them. Do you as Brentford fans take pride in seeing your players represent their nations or is there an element of, ooh, just give him a break? Absolutely. Just pure pride for me. Pure yeah. pride. You know, for... 20, 30 years of never seen anyone having any kind of international representation from our club to suddenly see the likes of Dowsgaard at a World Cup, uh, you know, remain Sawyer's judge, you know, mm-hmm. and then all the young B players as well. There's, you know, there's about six or seven of those off as well. Yeah, no, yeah I completely agree. I, I absolutely go, go with that. I mean, you know, it, an international break to a Brentford fan 10 years ago, we might just have had an with all due respect to them, we might just have had somebody going and playing for Trinidad. Or, <laughs> or know, Ireland. Gus, Her- or... Gus Hurdle at Barbados. Gus Hurdle at Barbados. Classic example, yeah. Jerry. Did yeah, Kev- that's right. Conno- you know, now, we've got, now we've got, I don't think Kev O'Connor ever did got he, Did he not get an international football? No, no, no. no. Just the now we've yeah. got, you know, players starting for the Danish national team. Now we've got players starting for, um, you know, South Africa, for Algeria, mm. for, for really good teams within their continents, within their respective areas. Let them, you know, fantastic. But what, but what I love about it is that there's genuine stakes for them so Sawyers is um, you know he's captain captain St Kitts and Nevis and um, they've got an opportunity to get into the CONCACAF uh, Cup uh, competition which is fantastic Dalsgaard's approaching 20 international appearances and at someone who's approaching his 30s he's not got much of an international career left so that's something for him to to get a hold of Saeed being called up to the Algeria squad to prove himself at that top level and Algeria are by no means a bad team mm. like there's actually, it's not as if they're getting caps for caps sake and they're just sort of make, you know making the subs bench and playing five minutes they are becoming integral parts of their international teams it's competitive stuff at the international level and it's becoming seriously competitive at the domestic level nine games left to play in the championship it's effectively a nine game season now what does the rest of it look like for Brentford uh, and it's an interesting one is because, you know, I think the loss on Saturday perhaps makes the playoffs that tad too far. Uh, although if you, if you listen to sort of Thomas Frank, the way he goes is, is each game as it comes. But then there must be a look for next season as to whether he brings in young players and gives them a, another 
you know, half hour here, half hour there, or maybe start one or two of them. So, so. You, you're saying perhaps he might go, listen, playoffs, we're eight points behind with a game in hand. That's not necessarily likely, so I'll focus for next year. Would you not? Is there not a part of you that would like to see the club go for broke and break for six? Of course, but it's, I don't know, you've got to look at the, the, the long game, haven't you? You know, you've, you've got to, if you've got a B team in place the way we have, you've got to be looking to bring these players through. And, you know, I, I don't see another scenario. You're not going to do it at the start of the season. Hmm. And now you're at the end of the season where something maybe is a step too far. Maybe it's time to just bring one or two. I'm not saying the whole team, just one or two. We said that, Jerry, that um, this is now the end of the season. I'd argue, is it? So the question is, do we now do we say, right, OK, playoffs are out, are out of the question now. Pull the trigger and let's start blooding these um, uh, young beating players, the likes of Sorensen, Force, Gunnarsson, Zamborek, Ogbené, Oksanen. Do we do that now or do we maybe give it a go for another few couple of games? Because then we win, t- we win two or three games a couple of other teams around us drop points and then suddenly we're back in the mixer potentially no absolutely no chance we've got absolutely no chance of making the playoffs and Mathematically, if we, if we, we have. do if we do I am prepared to go running around the four pubs of Griffin oh Park don't, in, don't my, in my underpants okay Brentford take your foot off if we get into the playoffs <laughs> I guarantee that that's what I could do but more more to the point we actually have nine games coming up in which we can have a real impact on the championship. We've got Derby and Leeds. We're facing Derby and Leeds. We can make, you know, mayhem for their season, stop them going up. It'd be fantastic. It'd be fantastic if we could make sure that Leeds didn't, didn't get automatic promotion. And the Leeds we, the club was, you'd like to derail more than anybody uh, else. Absolutely. Fun, yeah, Personally for me, I mean, the way that Leeds <laughs> earlier this season called us a cheating diving team because we happened to go up there and beat them. Meanwhile, know. they had drew, someone drew in the bushes there, watching your training sessions. Exactly, yeah. I'll tell you what, I'd be more than happy to beat Leeds at home, watch their season fall apart, grab a bo- bucket of popcorn and sit in front of Twitter. I think <laughs> it'd be absolutely <laughs> fantastic. But look, if you look down the other end of the table, we're playing Ipswich, we're playing Millwall, we're playing Bolton, we're playing Preston. We could have Reading. We we're having a major. We could have a major impact on who goes down from the championship as well, mm. um, depending on our performances. So I think it is beholden on Thomas Frank and the squad to to fight for the last nine games to actually ruin some people's seasons. Oh, in fact, to ruin some people's seasons. <laughs> so I don't think we can provide yeah. any glory to them. I think because that's fantastic. I think, you know, yeah. And and if Brentford then. On a Saturday night, as Robin said, if there are continual attacking Brentford on social media for having uh, ruined another team season, it just shows how professional a club we've become in the last few years. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. There are faces of glee, by the way. There aren't (laughs) cameras in the Love Sports studio, apparently, but just at the thought of upsetting Leeds fans, there are just beaming smiles all around me. That's our purpose now is just to wind everyone else up. Yeah, but partic- particularly, particularly, lead, particularly lead. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah, but I think I, I personally think I'm, I'll, I'll take tenth, eleventh. I'd want to finish top half. I think that would be a nice little uh, way to finish the season, particularly if we are going to give our B team as a chance. There's still lots to play for in terms of the Besotted podcast, of course. The next one is out on Friday morning at 7am. That's at prideofwest.london. Lots to look forward to there. You can also catch the guys on Twitter at Besotted or Facebook, Besotted the Brentford fanzine. In terms of building for next season, in terms of looking at those younger players from the B team, is there anyone in particular who stands out for you as a real talent? I think there's two or three. Uh, I'll catch... A few of the YouTube, they, they stream games on YouTube. I think the, the Zamborik um, looks to be exceptionally good. Uh, Oksanen, Finnish under-21, just called up for the uh, Finnish under-21s. Again, a deep-line midfielder. I heard there's two there. I, but I like, do you know what I like? It's Colder Silver. Hmm. In the little bits I've seen of him. Just Silver. No, no Colder Silver. Colder Silver. Right, yeah, yeah. right. He can play both right and left back. Uh, mm. And he's a little solid little player. He's a terrier, isn't he? Yeah, He's a real terrier. Yeah. It just looks like he, you know, he could sort of handle himself at championship level. So, Do you think he'd fit into the Brentford system where you're not just playing with full-backs, you're playing with wing-backs? Has he got that kind of attacking verve as well? Yeah, he's, I think he scored about four or five goals for the B team. So, you know. I'll tell you what I'd do. I'd give five or six starts to Chiodose Ogbené. 
He's a player with real pace. He f- he's big, he's strong, he frightens the life out of defenders. And if we are going to accept that our season is maybe sort of uh, coming to a, a good, solid finishing position, just give him five or six games to get used to the pace and the style of the championship. Let him run at defences and let him, yeah, wind leads up. Yeah, actually having Ogbeni and Force together in the, as, an attack, as an attacking force, if you'll Terrifying. pardon the pun, yes. because actually there could be some real real fun to be had there. And if we were to lose Malpe in the summer, Force could be the, be the replacement. So you know that's a that that's another one to look out for. But you know, let them come on. Let them come on after 60, 70 minutes. Don't so let you start wouldn't with them. start them. No, I wouldn't way. start them. No, 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 no. I would play our full strength teams for the for the next nine games. If only know. to derail Leeds. If only to derail Leeds. I played my full know. strength team against Leeds and everyone else that we can just play the yeah, B team players. Get, get three nil up and then just bring on like, three, <laughs> three 18 year olds and hold out. Yeah. And if you only, can check us all out at Pride of West Dot London. <laughs> <laughs> if only it were that easy. So do you see some of these youngsters, the likes of Ogbeni, the likes of Force being really important in the first team squad next year? Yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, I think Force was unlucky this year. He's had two Injuries had a back injury that kept him out for about three or four months. I think he'd have had a lot of, lot more game time because um, I think Morpai missed a couple of games with suspension and then was injured against QPR. I think Force there would have had games, but you know injury. Ogbeni went out on loan to get games, came back. I think with him, um, I'm not sure if he fits this system either. You know, he's, he's quick, he's pacey, he's strong. Unless we play him through the middle, but when you think of Ben Rama, Canos and Watkins, they, they're kind of more tucked in. They're not wide players sort as such. Forward, we, inside forwards. Yeah, yeah, they're like sort of two not number 10s, really, slightly wide number 10s. So. And let us not forget that there are probably one or two hidden gems, possibly not even playing for the B team at the moment, who will be coming through, who next year people will be saying, where did Brentford find them? Mm. Well, like Josta Silva, them? yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, and it may come from a Belgian third division team. You know, and it might moment, be me. <laughs> I think Robin. Five aside every, every Wednesday. Come down and check I, us out. We've got you know, Sadly, Robin, I think your time might have might have gone. Oh, and, well, you know, I've still got a dream. <laughs> well, of course, the hidden gems is how the club likes to operate. We're hearing it could be the season over, but there's a lot to play for. If only to upset Leeds. Join us next week on the Brentford Fan Show. <laughs> The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.